again to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard and that was They Might Be Giants, The Communist Have Their Music, their latest single. Playing that because we have John Linnell, who alongside John Flansburg were responsible for some of the wittiest, most infectious music of the last, well, 20 or 30 years now. And it was just brilliant to speak to John about that track the band's latest album, and the uh, tour that they're currently in the middle of. So uh, let's let's get into this and uh, hear uh, my chat with John Linnell. Hello. Hi there. Is that John? This is John. Hi, John. Jason Barnard here. How are you? I'm great, thank you. I mean, obviously, uh, one of the main reasons we're talking today is, is that you've got a new single out, The Communists Have the Music. Indeed. Yeah, what's the inspiration behind that uh, song? Well, it's it's a hard one to say precisely. I think that there's something very appealing to me about the songs being kind of open-ended. Like, if, you know, if it's not 100% clear what the meaning of the song is, that's that's a good position for the listener, I think. Um, but it's based partly on this notion 
in that I remember discussing even with Mr. Flansburg when we were in high school, um, which is the idea of that some bands were powerful and some bands were tuneful. So there's this sort of idea of like, which do you prefer? Like some, you know, and I, I, I can't even remember particularly which bands were being put into which category, but it was sort of a, you know, it was this dichotomy of, you know, preferences. Um, so I was just reminded, oh, and it reminds me of another, uh, I don't know if this, you've heard this quotation, but the writer Fran Lebowitz once said, problem with communism is it's too boring and the problem with fascism is it's too exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was just kind of basing, basing a song around those kinds of notions. Yeah. And you're, um, you seem to be very productive at the minute. You've, you've, um, still touring with, uh, your, your last album, My Like Fun. Yes. But then, it, but you know, introducing lots of new music through through dial a song as well yeah well we we've had a year we've done this in the past we've had a year of putting out a, a song every week um as a kind of a you know a way of introducing music that wasn't just the all at once album you know thing uh, although we're doing that it's we've done that as well um but but um the idea of dial a song is is continual supply of new songs every week to keep everybody interested. Hmm. Uh, we did that in, I forget, I think maybe 2015 as well. Some a couple of years ago, we did one of these year long song every week rollouts. Um, and that was, you know, that worked pretty well. Um, it's a little bit hair raising cause we have to prepare a lot of material advance and even, the year and we're still trying to come up with more songs to fill out the whole year um, and trying to improve, you know, continue adding songs to the pile in the hopes of improving the, uh, the uh, quality of the batches rather than, you know, in other words, we've got a long backlog, but we want to keep writing songs, coming up with new songs so that uh, we can put out the best ones we've got. So will the fifty-two tracks you you will will you naturally kind of pare them down down for the sort of new record? Is that how it works? Yeah, yeah. We'll have we'll have um, so so I like I like fun actually included some of the tracks mm. of off the, uh, the this this year's uh, selection, and then we'll have one other album's worth of songs on this collection, which is going to be called. My Murdered Remains, which is also a line from one of the songs on I Like Fun. There's something like 12 other tracks, which are also sort of discrete project called The Escape Team and uh, songs about these mutant kind of characters, partly based on the work of this artist named Big Daddy Ed Ross. Um, I mean, what it is is there's a contemporary artist who's done these characters and his characters are partly based on these 1950s drawings by Ed Ross, who did, I don't know if you're familiar with this guy's stuff, but he did, I guess I would characterize his work as monsters driving hot rods. <laughs> um, often it was, it would be a, a, somebody with their tongue hanging out and maybe they have, 11 eyeballs and, and they'd have one hand around a stick shift 
uh, sticking out of the hot rod and their, their tongue was hanging behind them as they were, you know, flapping in the, flapping in the breeze as they were zooming down the highway. It's a, it's a particularly beloved dialogue cartoon from the 1950s, I guess, early sixties. Um, he also created a character named Rat Fink that, um, a lot of Americans my age are familiar with. Oh yeah, yeah, it did it did come across these shows. <laughs> okay. Going back to I like fun. You you really do sort of mix it up, you know, in terms of your lyrics and instrumentally. So with let's get this over with. I don't think there's any guitars on that one, is there? There are no guitars. Well, uh, well spotted. Yeah, yeah. We yeah we you know tried to come up with some different sounds, and uh, when we're recording, we're not always thinking. It's strictly in terms of the live format. Um, so sometimes it's a challenge to do the live version of a song that we've recorded because we, mm. you know, made it hard for ourselves. The drum beat never changes tempo. It's steady like a rock, and like a rock, it crushes you as it gets louder. The drum gets louder and louder.
you mentioned this before when we were talking about the communists have have the music in terms of being very comfortable with with um, I don't know if ambiguity is the right word, but in terms of your lyrics, kind of not. I think that's a, yeah. yeah, that's a, ambiguity is a good word. I think that that's that's perfectly appropriate. Yeah, I like I like other bands where the it, the meaning of the song is not a hundred percent obvious. You know, I like I like hearing songs where I don't know. Mm necessarily know what's going on you know i mean independent of the quality obviously you can have a bad song that's obscure or hard to figure out but but ideally it's the song is both interesting and drawing you in and you know there's a nice Mm. there's something nice about not completely understanding what the what the song is about because that's that's happened a number of times in relation to to your songs, you know, even going back to, to, you know, the beginning of your career and songs like Don't Let's Start, where fans have kind of sure. read meanings, yep, particular absolutely. meanings into to songs. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate the fact that people mm. uh, come up with their own interpretations. And, uh, you know, I think that, that there are some that are wildly, you know, wildly interpretive and people come up with things that are, they seem you know, bizarre to me, but I like, I like, you know, the creativity of people, you know, just trying to imagine or making associations, you know, uh, coming up with, you know, free associative interpretations. Start. This is the worst part. Could believe for all the world that you are my precious little 
and you mentioned that free association that that seems to link neatly into Anna Ring. I mean that that's got like so many different threads and ideas lyrically in. Yeah. And then there's the story about getting inspiration from the phone from the phone book from for that song. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose you know sometimes I think the excitement of writing the song kind of uh, gives 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 the whole thing a momentum. It's not necessarily a clearly thought out idea for a song, and I think it it, it that can cause a problem, but it is maybe compensated by the enthusiasm that goes into writing it. So that, in other words, if you're feeling sort of interested and excited enough to come to pursue an idea that is not altogether clear, it, um, it, uh, makes it, it makes it interesting and fun. Even if, even if the, uh, the thoughts that are going into it are a little blurry. Make a hole with a gun perpendicular To the name of this town in a desktop globe Exit wound in a foreign nation Showing the home of the one this was written for My apartment looks upside down from there Water spirals the wrong way out the sink And her voice is a backwards record It's like a whirlpool and it never In the glow of each other's majestic presence Listen in and hear my words To the ones you would think I would say If there was a me for you All alone at the 64 World's Fair 80 dolls yelling small girl after all Who was at the DuPont Pavilion? Why was the bench still warm? Who had been there? Or the time when the storm tangled up to the horn on the pole at the bus depot And in back of the edge of hearing These are the words that the voice was repeating And her and I are getting older We still haven't walked in the glow of each other's majestic presence Listen and hear my words To the ones you would think I would say If there was a me for you when I was driving once I saw this painted on a bridge I don't want the world I just want to have They don't need me here and I know you're there Where the world goes by like the humid air And it sticks like a broken record Everything sticks like a broken record Everything sticks until it goes away And the truth is we don't know anything And and, and I are getting older We still haven't walked in the glow of each other's majestic Listen and hear my words And the ones you would think I would say If there was a me for you In the glow of each other's majestic presence Listen and hear my words And the ones you would think I would say If there was a me for you And the arguing older We still haven't walked in the glow of each other's majestic presence Listen and hear my words And the ones 
And going into um, Flood, which is, you know, one of your most sort of well-known, almost revered albums now, uh, and then obviously certainly over over here in the UK, Birdhouse in, in Your Soul became, a, you know, such such a huge, huge track. Um, did that success here in the UK take you by surprise or, or have you always got that kind of slightly anglicised influence? We were definitely influenced by a lot of British music, beginning with the Beatles. Really, the the, the original sort of uh, thing that got both John and I interested in writing songs and doing music, you know, when we were quite small. But we didn't have a clear idea of what the potential for something like what we were doing was. And we didn't, you know, we were not counting on it being a career. We sort of thought we'd write songs and record them uh, you know, as a as a kind of amateur pursuit, and then you know we had ways that we could perform the music using a background uh, background uh, track um, in the Lower East Side of New York. So we we managed to scrape together um, shows at little little spaces, little performance spaces in in New York in the uh, mid nineteen eighties. Um, Using a tape, us the two of us and a tape recorder, and 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 that was the show, and it was very inexpensive and easy, and it's kind of a good way for us to get our thing across. You know, we 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 we. I guess we've always been kind of controlly about how we put our thing together. So we we thought it would be good if we if it was just the two of us, and we we made tapes, and and we could we wouldn't have to be in the position of trying to boss other musicians around uh, who might not agree with everything we wanted to do. Uh, and that's how we started. We, we, we did a, we did that show for about 10 years uh, as a duo um, right through getting a indie um, record deal and touring um, first in the U S and then internationally, and then getting and getting a major label deal and it wasn't until we'd been doing that for uh, quite a while that we started hiring other musicians. Um, that was kind of late, late in our in our whole arc uh, that we got a band together. Uh, so it was, wasn't until the early 1990s that we um, that we uh, got a drummer and a bass player, and that's been our format ever since then. So now we're now we're going on, you know, 25 years as a full band. Who watches over you? Make a little bird happy. 
Was that was that around the time of John Henry the album? That's right. Yeah, John Henry was when uh, we switched over. Or John Henry, we recorded after after switching. I guess we were touring to support the Apollo eighteen album when we decided to get a full band. That's another album that that's kind of certainly by fans is 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 really really sort of well regarded. Tracks of yours like the end of the tour. I guess so. Yeah, you know, it, it wasn't. It wasn't as well received when when it came out. I think pe- the people who liked us as a duo were kind of disappointed by John Henry. And interestingly, just uh, in you know connection with what you were saying, we'd had a lot of success in the UK after Birdhouse and the album after that. And then there was a definite backlash. Uh, we you know we'd been on the cover of the NME and stuff like that, and then. By the time of John Henry, I think that there was a kind of um, kind of a backlash against our thing, and there were there was a bunch of bands that had come out that were sort of held up as like this is the thing now, and I think we were definitely not part of that scene. We were not. We didn't sound like Nirvana, and we didn't sound like Oasis, you know. And those were the sort of the two. Mm big things that were happening at that moment in the early nineties. So I think we were, we were sort of on the outs in the, certainly in the UK press at that moment when, when John Henry came out. Um, and it's, it took us a little while to, uh, become, you know, okay to say that you liked us in the press again. It's when the, the zeitgeist around the time ends and then the, the music holds up. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we just had, we had to keep plugging away, but I, I think it was, 
it was a little bit disturbing how, first of all, how much we'd been embraced and then how much we were rejected in, in, you know, in quick succession. There's a girl with a crown and a scepter who's on WLSD. And she says that the scene isn't what it's been And she's thinking of going home That it's old and it's totally over now And it's old and it's over, it's over now And it's over, it's over, it's over Now I can see myself at the end of the tour When the That's the interesting thing about picking songs of yours is that you can pick a song off every album, you know, it still holds up. You know, songs like Dr. Worm, which I think is a quite a big live favourite. Uh-huh, yep. Still play that every night, pretty much. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know what the songs sound like to young people, to young ears now. I, 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 I know how it felt at the time. And I'd say, like, there were bands there were contemporary bands that we felt like if we didn't sound like them, we felt this kind of kinship. Mm. 
with them throughout the 80s and into the 90s. And then at a certain point, I feel like, well, we were just kind of going to do our thing. And it wasn't so much about any kind of contemporary, not that we'd ever really been part of a contemporary scene, Mm. but we, um, you know, we, we, we had mutual affection for bands like the Pixies and, uh, and before that for some of the bands that were playing in New York in the eighties. And then after that, I think by the end of the nineties, I kind of, I kind of felt like we, we just were doing our thing and we couldn't really worry about whether we sounded contemporary or not. I I still don't really have a sense of whether Mm. we sounded like anything that should be on the radio or, or should exist uh, by the, by the, you know, into the nineties, certainly by the end of the nineties. And since then, you know, I mean, now, now we are definitely just old timers doing our thing. And it's long, it's been a long time since we've kind of, I think thought we were even related to anything that was happening con- that was contemporary, but we are still very, very, interested in pursuing the, you know, uh, maintaining the quality of what we're doing on our own terms. They call me Dr. Worm. Good morning, how are you? I'm Dr. Worm. I'm interested in things. I'm not a real doctor, but I interested in things I'm not a real doctor but I am a real worm I am an actual worm I live like a worm and I like to play the drums I think I'm getting good but I can handle criticism I'll show you what I know and you can tell
Dialer song though, which you kind of pioneered in the eighties, and and what you did with um, the album Long Tall Weekend, and this again great tracks on there like Older. You found a way before the the internet really took hold of of reaching directly to your fans. I guess that was part of the philosophy from the beginning was that, and, and Dialer song was part of that was that we wanted people to feel like we were their band, you know, um, that they, that they were the ones who discovered us and they had a personal, you know, stake in what we were doing. And it's, you know, it's a, it's kind of a second guessing, uh, stunt in a way. It's like, how do you do something that, you know, and I guess I, we'd, we'd always thought like, well, what, what kind of music would we like if we, you know, if we could just invent a band that we ourselves would be interested in. And part of the idea was like, well, we always like this thing where you find something on your own. You feel like it wasn't being shoved down your throat, but it was something interesting that you, that was your personal discovery. And in some ways, dial a song, put that across. I think that it was like you, you called up the band yourself and you were directly connecting to us. And, uh, and then, you know, just philosophically, it's sort of in a more general way that we were something that people, uh, that, that they, that they felt like they were, um, they were doing some of the, some of the legwork of, of, of reaching out to it. You know, that's a very mixed metaphor. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> Marching on and time is still marching on. This day will soon be at an end, and now it's even sooner, and now it's even sooner, and now it's even sooner. This day will soon be at an end, and now it's even sooner, and now it's sooner still. With your lyrics, um, they seem very inclusive in a way that um, you know. So, so for example, with, with politics, they're not they're not overt. You can there are sort of shades in things, but they're they're not kind of direct statements. As yeah, such. yeah, yeah. I th- you know I, I think that I mean, there are a few exceptions that I remember. At a, there was a time when I was sort of alarmed that John Flansburg had written this song called uh, "Your Racist Friend." 
because it seemed to me that at the time that it was such a, in a way, sort of an obvious thing to say racism is bad. Not that that's what he was saying in the song. Mm. It was more like a story song about this position you're in when, when somebody, you know, has a friend who's a racist and then you're in this social situation. And it's just more about this very personal and awkward thing, but it was enough of a political sort of thrust that I was concerned that we were moving into an area of like just saying blunt things. What's the funny thing is at the time, and I turned out I was wrong about this. I thought you don't need to say racism is bad. And Mm. now it sort of turns out you do need to say that. Like it's not, apparently it's not as obvious as I thought, Mm. you know, we've moved into this era. This is like 20, Mm. 25 years later and and uh mm. and now it turns out that um it's not so obvious so that it's very interesting to me you know like oh yeah like that that cloistered sort of provincial world that i came from where everybody agreed in this mm. certain set of liberal values uh is certainly not the way the rest of the world thinks uniformly and it's it's we're now in fact in in the situation where uh there's a lot of of uh very you know different and disturbing viewpoints out there uh that that are um that are it turns out are popular you know in terms of kind of approaching this kind of uh the sort of attack on on what's known as the liberal consensus will you will you kind of let your lyrical muse just take you wherever it goes or will you think well uh, you know, we don't. Yeah, I yeah. think that John, John, and I certainly would agree about this. You know, we're artists. We're trying to express an artistic, you know, an idea, something that uh, you, you know, you leave, you leave the pontificating and you know, and the punditry to the people who are writing prose pieces in the newspaper, and they're certainly way better at it. They're much more eloquent than we could ever be. We're just kind of, I would say, reaching for something that might be almost out of reach that's in the realm of the imagination and expression and those kinds of things. And that's where we're at. And then, you know, there are politics can creep into it, but in, I think mostly in a tangential way. And it's not, it's not for us. It's, it isn't really our part to sort of get into this sort of straightforward polemic, you know, that's not, that's not what we're doing. Um, I, th- I, on the other hand, I think there are bands who and artists, songwriters who do do that and they do it well, but that's not our thing. This is when Ten. 
also sort of tracks that um again fans people kind of interpret in a certain way you know songs like when when will you die yeah and, and try, trying to work out but that's again is that's a, a sort of construct is isn't it yeah i'd say that that particular song is um in a way a great example because it's the most open-ended track you know i mean there's, there's there really is no specific target but it's a delightful, uh, it, you know, it's 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 it, it's exciting and fun for me to consider that it might be about somebody in particular. That's why I like and and be, and because it sounds like it's it's so specific in that it names the members of the band who are all in agreement, you know, that that we're anticipating the uh, death of the subject of the song and so on. It's you know, it's it's all. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's some. I think there's something intuitive about everything we do. You know that you you feel the sort of gravitational pull of an idea, and you don't know why it appeals. But um, the the sort of like the mission is to to pursue that and find out where it's going to take you. Um, and that's you know, sometimes you go places that are very unexpected, and that's a good result. I'm so tired of your lies And the evil things you're doing behind my back Are the crimes that you have never committed I doubt it sometimes I wonder when will you die You're insane, you are bad You wreck everything you touch And you're a sociopath Why? 
bass feels like a, a bit of a song like that. I mean, there's, you know, you get getting a really good riff in there, you know, m- musically. Uh-huh. You know, very, very, very strong. So it, I guess having created, because that's a, a dialer song part of that, the last batch of dialer songs, I guess it helps having such a, a volume of songs to, to pick the, the very best. Um, yeah, well, we do we do deal in volume. We, I mean, part of it is just that we've been doing this for so long, and there's two of us. We still really like writing songs. It seems like a lot. It seems like we put out a lot of stuff, but it's not that many songs for either of us individually mm-hmm. over the course of a year. You know, it's just we've been we've literally been doing this well for. I guess we started writing songs in the early '80s together um so yeah it's something like 35 years of us collaborating uh so there's there is a lot of backlog you and i will be together when we shed our Last Way feels fitting as, as one of the, the, the closing tracks. 
given the theme of it, but also... Oh, sure. Again, that's a, a song which you, you do live and understand there's a, a, something interesting you do visually with that when, you, when you're live on stage. Yes, yeah, I can, I can tell you what. The, the song was actually written by reading the lips of the uh, people who were singing and performing on a 1980s video, and it was, it was a collaboration between Aerosmith and Run DMC, big hit in the u.s i don't know if it made me waves over there but um yeah it was a hit it's a their version of walk this way it was a song that aerosmith had had a big hit with and then they did a collaboration with run dmc and so there's this kind of humorous video where they're they're having like a sort of battle of the bands and so what we did is we wrote the song <laughs> just to exactly match the lips that are moving in the video with the sound turned off and the song has no other relationship to the original Aerosmith song. It doesn't, the melody and the words are all completely different. Um, and everything about it sounds different. Um, it was a way of writing a song that, you know, we hadn't tried before that seemed like, Oh, well this, this is a good, (laughs) this might be a good way to like come up with a completely different sounding track. You know, if we just, we just follow the rule of like, it has to appear that the video goes along with the music. And then the words in a way kind of wrote themselves based on that because they, they had to sort of match, match the lip sync of the, of the booklet. And so, yeah, we, we, during our show, as you suggested, we, we show the vid, the Aerosmith video is, is shown with, along with the soundtrack uh, which is our our version of uh, our our demo version of that song? We did a we did a slightly different recording for the album, just to make things even more complicated. And that version does not go along with the Aerosmith <laughs> video, but it's 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 pretty much the same song.
what I need you to buy. Take me down to the postman to tell the postman to throw them two. So then you're still continuing dial a song, and I know you're kind of in the middle of a, a, a tour at the minute. You're, you're at the back end of the yeah. European side, and then you're going back over. We're having a great sort of return trip to Germany, which, you know, we most of these places we have not played in decades. Um, and tonight we're playing in Cologne, where the last time we played here was 1989. So we are almost at the 30 year mark of like, we, we have not played in this town mm. in three decades. And, um, and we're playing in the exact same place we played in the late eighties, which will be interesting. We'll see what that's like. And then, and then to close, um, you've got, uh, another song out, I think in the last few days, thankful for your service. I understand that that's also had another title as well. Yeah, that was, that was commissioned. Uh, it was, a it was a, um, part of a collection of songs about the various constitutional amendments, the United States constitution's uh, list of amendments, um, which have been added to over the years. And this is amend. Our song is about amendment number three, which is this sort of peculiar one. That's uh, prohibiting the uh, billeting of soldiers in private homes, uh, which is not a, not a very, controversial topic now it is not something people are too worried about but i guess in the late 18th century it was a problem that that uh people people felt oppressed by the government putting soldiers into their houses um during warfare and and so they wrote an amendment that said that that's no longer going to be allowed okay well um I will keep looking for the various <laughs> dialer songs that, that that come out, and uh, uh, all the best for your forthcoming tour. And uh, oh, and, and and plus that, thank you for all the uh, the the joy that you're giving my five year old daughter on the uh, here come the ABCs. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, she's more than welcome. It, it still resonates. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Our our our, our pleasure. Um, and we're, we look forward to coming back to Leeds at some point. That was a, a that was the beginning of this leg of the tour, and and it was a very Brilliant. that's where you are, correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That was a that was a really fun show. I, um, uh, we you know kind of kicked off the whole thing in Leeds. So we'll be back. I will look forward to it. Maybe at the Brood now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, John. Very good. All right. No problem. Nice speaking with you, Jason. Take care. Thank you. Then. Bye bye. Okay, bye. At the bottom of the kitchen trash, I found the empty container of takeout food with my name clearly written on it. Following a trail of footsteps from the standing water in the bathroom, I discovered my soaking wet bedroom slippers in the hallway. 
Thank you for listening to the strange brew podcast if you do like the show please consider supporting me on patreon patrons get access to unedited interviews as they're done news plus even access to my exclusive interview archive all your support goes into keeping the show running and moving forward and getting amazing guests to support me just go to patreon.com forward slash strange brew pod or go to thestrangebrew.co.uk forward slash about. Thanks very much, and any reviews on your podcasting services are greatly appreciated. Thank you.